I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And for our intents and purposes, too, here in the cold, we are in the Storyteller's Church, which I just love that term. And um, it was uh, coined by by some listeners and also um, some folks who are on my newsletter who probably listen to the podcast or my newsletter. Otherwise, they wouldn't be commenting on the podcast. But in any case, this week in the cold, um, I really want to talk about taking a fresh approach to our work. Um, because that can be such a challenge, especially um, when we are, oh God, on deadline, when we're, we're just trying to get through something, or we are somewhere stuck in the middle of a novel, or you know, whatever, whatever creative endeavor uh, we happen to be working on at the time. Now, I don't know if any of you have spent a lot of time around eight-year-olds. I, um, I have three kids, so I've been around a lot of eight-year-olds. <laughs> but um, if you ever listen to them, it just sort of pondering something like the clouds, for instance, it's just so dreamy and imaginative and big. Um, you know, I remember one time we were driving up to Chicago from our home in Virginia, and that was back when my parents lived there, and so we would go pretty often. And um, we were driving by, uh, I think we were on I-55, I can't even remember, but we, we passed this enormous sort of industrial, oh, park isn't the word for it, it was just like this industrial factory space full of, of, of sort of those, those chimneys um, and smokestacks, you know, the smokestacks and lights and everything. And, and, and my youngest daughter looked and said, Mama, is that a cloud factory? You know, and there have been so many questions like that about clouds. I mean, you know, can I pull them apart? Are they made of God's breath? What if we froze one? Do different types of clouds appear during different seasons? Can we make them different colors? I mean, all of these are these fresh, innocent, curious, and boundless questions filled with wonder and joy and just the awe of simply being alive and able to witness a common phenomenon of nature that is available to literally every single person on Earth. And these questions, you know, they're also, they're also questions a scientist would pose, a good one at any rate. Um, and I think all of us start out as scientists. And the challenge is in staying that way. You know, in being able to approach our work, our marriages and our child rearing and friendships, the whole way we do business with the world, with an open mind, that helps us discover the distinct and the familiar and find common ground where there was seemingly none. Now, as we get older, this takes practice. I mean, I'd love to be able to say that I have this sort of childlike childlike reverence for the everyday all the time and that it comes so naturally to me, as I'm sure we all would, but it doesn't. In my own life, in my life and my creative life, I have to conjure my inner child 
and my essential scientist every day as I gaze upon a blank page. The way I did when I started this podcast, basically, and and when I sit down to write an essay. It's that expectation, the very necessity to say something, anything, make an observation, even when we don't particularly have any inclination to, that is a very powerful engine. It prompts us to not only create, but recreate and perfect and make sure that what we're doing is on the nose. And it most certainly helps us come up with ways of showing, well, in my case, my readers, something very simple and commonplace, but with with a fresh eye. You know, it's, it is finding the poetry in the way a woman walks or in listening to a rickety fan and hearing a bird's wings flapping. It's all of those things that really make a simple sentence come alive and that make a story come alive for the reader. Um, (laughs) That's really what I'm doing today, (laughs) to be honest. And it's what I try to do every time we can convene like this in some way or another. But um, I am just really stuck this week. This week... This week I'm stuck thinking about something that is actually not new. It's not something new I'm writing, although I am in the process of writing something brand spanking new. Um, I've talked about it on here before. It's a return to my first love, my first true endeavor at novel writing, which is the historical spy thriller. And I'm, you know, putting together this this new Cold War thriller. It's set in India. It's set in the late 1950s, and it's going to be, you know, a, a sort of nine episode series, I think. And I am calling them episodes, even though they are novels and novellas. But um, anyway, I'll talk about that um, in much more detail in, in other um, in other podcasts, I'm sure. But what I'm fixing on fixating on today is something that has been bugging me for some time. And it's the blurb, a blurb is a summary, basically, it's the blurb for um, for my first breath novel, also titled breath. And it's something that's never quite sat right with me. And I don't, I don't even know why. I mean, I think it's a fine blurb as far as blurbs go. There's just something about it that has never felt like it's my best work or has stuck in my craw. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that that's true because um, sometimes I'm very surprised at what I put in front of my readers. I, I, I have a newsletter, which I will put the link to in case you want to join it in the show notes today. But um you know, I'm, I, I, I pose this kind of stuff to my readers all the time. I say, what do you think of this? Do you prefer this or do you prefer that? Do you like what I've done here? And I'm always, almost always surprised at what they come back with because it's, it's so often, they so often validate me in a way that I never expected, liking something that I didn't like at all, liking it a lot, and maybe not being so compelled by something that I thought was was really deep or wonderful or whatever it is, right? So uh, that's why, my fellow scientists, I'd really like your input today. Um, If I may, 
I'd like to take of your fresh, original minds and see what you think of my rebooted efforts to find the perfect, most compelling summary for the first novel in my epic historical fantasy series, Breath, right? And you do not, you did not have had to have read Breath or any of the subsequent Breath books um, in order to give me some feedback because what I really want to know is, is this, which one of these would make you want to read the book? Which one of you, these compels you the most, intrigues you the most, and makes you say to yourself, I'm going to click buy. Um, and by the way, so I'm going to give you three blurbs. I'm going to read you three blurbs, but one of these is the original blurb. I'm not going to tell you which one, and I really hope you won't cheat and go have a peek on Amazon, at least until you make your decision. Now, with that out of the way, as I said, the basic question is, which of these blurbs would most inspire you to read Breath, the novel. Blurb number one. In the lost kingdom of Ra, death spreads like a wildfire, consuming everything and everyone in its path. Shirin, immune to this fatal contagion, is forced to run for her life into the unforgiving desert. As she struggles to survive alone, she attracts the attention of two powerful men, Nif a nomadic warrior who leads a tribe of rebels hated by the Sultan, and Rune, a loyal soldier to the kingdom. As they fight for their survival against the cannibalism, torture, thievery, and war that blight their region, they begin to uncover their own extraordinary destiny, one that will propel them through time itself, from their ancient civilization to the modern day as they struggle to save humanity from destruction and each other from the forces of darkness. Blurb number two. Have you ever felt a strange reverberation inside of you? Like something calling out from the depths of time? Shirin, an orphaned young woman living in the ancient kingdom of Ra, is immune to a devastating contagion that has been ravaging her region. With no family or friends left to protect her, she finds herself wandering the desert on her own. In this arid landscape of darkness and death, she encounters two men, Nif, a rebel leading a nomadic tribe, and Ruin, a warrior fighting for the crumbling sultanry. Their paths cross during a period of turmoil bordering on anarchy. Cannibalism, torture, and war are rife throughout the land, and allegiances, and allegiances change faster than the sand shifting beneath their feet. But as their story unfolds, something even more ominous lurks. A secret lies buried deep within their souls, an ancient knowledge which will propel them through time and space from one end of history to the other, granting them an extraordinary destiny that may just be able to save humanity from its own destruction or ensnare them in the very forces of darkness that threaten everything they hold dear. And finally, blurb number three. Ever felt like you've lived before? 
In the ancient past, in the now lost kingdom of Ra, a young woman named Chirin finds herself in mortal peril after her family succumbs to a deadly contagion to which she is immune. Alone and afraid, she is cast out into the desert in search of safe haven. But the plague continues to ravage her region, forcing survivors to band together. Some form haphazard tribes, others violent gangs. Through her wits and courage, Sharin captures the attention of two very different men. Nif, a desert warrior who leads a nomadic tribe, and Rune, a powerful soldier for the crumbling sultanry. As cannibalism, torture, thievery, and war blight the region, allegiances shift and terror reigns. Despite all of this, Sharin finds herself falling deeply in love with one of her suitors, sensing a mystical energy between herself and the man to whom she is so passionately devoting herself. The forces of destruction enveloping them, an extraordinary destiny begins to unfold before the lovers. It will propel them through history, from the earliest civilizations to the present day, where they must struggle to save humanity from the same fate that befell their ancient civilization, or risk losing one another forever. Now, each one of those is really a very different approach. The first is shorter. It is, I suppose, more intense. Um, the second, I think, is more in touch with the sort of urban fantasy elements of that and is more immediate. And the last is probably the most that is uh, faithful to sort of the ancient qualities of this and to the historical fantasy genre. But it'll be interesting to think what you, to, for me to, to, to hear what you think, because, you know, as we, as creators, as writers, even as readers, you know, as we, as we approach our work with a fresh eye and try to summarize it, you know, after we've written this unbelievably big novel, you know, this huge story that we've been working on for so long, summarizing it is so damned hard. And it's really difficult. I mean, it is really difficult for me to look at those three and have an instinct for what would compel a reader most. And I'm not alone in that as a writer. Uh, that is really, <laughs> blurbs are the bane of almost every writer's existence because it is just a very, very, uh, it is a, it's, it's an, a creative and intellectual exercise that, um, that few people that comes naturally to few people let's put it that way it's something that we really have to work at and think about it is so mathematical and scientific in a way for god's sake you know because we really have to be able to distill a lot of story into something small and digestible and thrilling and intriguing and accurate because the last thing you want to do is write something that's punchy and wonderful and that that intrigues people and then they you know buy your book they buy your story and the reader says uh, that is not at all what I was expecting so you know all of those elements have to work together um 
And I think, you know, in many respects, writing the blurb is probably the most scientific thing at its core that you can do. It is, it really is like, you know, working that formula and it is distilling and it is making sure that you are being accurate, making sure that you are coming to the right conclusions and that your experiment um, can be replicated and that it is consistent and right and good. So I thank you for listening to that, and I hope that this is giving you something to think about. Um, also, uh, Breath is on sale for $2.99 right now, but not for long. I think it's on sale till about Mother's Day. So um, if you're interested, the ebook is on sale. I'll put the link in the show notes, and um, as well as a, a link for my newsletter if you're interested in joining that, and um, if you are enjoying what you hear um, in the cold. Uh, once again, I ask that you please press the follow button, leave a starred review, subscribe, tell your friends, do all of those magical, wonderful things that help spread the word. Um, I so thank you. And until next week, my friends, stay very, very cold. <laughs>